Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Mooncast. Today I'm going to be talking to Tom again. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Leshevolt faction, which is a brand new faction coming to Kickstarter soon. It's very exciting. Uh, we don't quite get through all of the models because it's just getting a bit too long, but we get through a good chunk. I think we talk mainly about nine of them. And we'll leave the rest of them for another podcast, but I hope you enjoy listening to the first few. So let's go and get Tom on the line. on the line we're talking to talk about uh, the lesser vault like i said um which is very exciting we're, we're doing this recording before the kickstarter started. um so at the moment we don't know how the kickstarter's gone uh i'm going to make an assumption it's gone really well and <laughs> um, we will hit every stretch goal and we'll it will be great um and if that doesn't happen we're gonna look like a wally but it doesn't really matter <laughs> Well, you, I'll look like a Wally. You'll look fine. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to go through as many characters as we can because um, there's quite a lot in the Kickstarter, which is great, and they all look awesome. So we'll go through as many as we can. And if we start realizing we've gone on too long, then we'll stop this podcast and we'll do another one about the rest of them. And I sounds good to me. Yeah, from an entirely selfish point of view, I can't help but start talking about Leshevolt without talking about Brother Daniel first. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> do, your, do your listeners know? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Why, why don't you tell them that? <laughs> so uh, Brother Daniel is uh, a character created in honour of your uh, Mooncast host, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which was which was very nice. And I, when when you told me about it at the um, games expo in the pub, uh, I was very flattered then. And it was really fun to help design both. Uh, well, help to choose the uh, artwork for him and things, and help design his um, cards as well. That was really fun. I really enjoyed doing that. Oh, and I know you've you've made, touched on this briefly on previous episodes, but there are a few characters in uh, in moonstone that are are loosely or less loosely based on real people and it's quite good fun for us kind of weaving in these fairy tale fantasy storylines with real people that we we know in real life it's it kind of yeah. adds to the charm i think yeah definitely definitely all right well let's start with um so we'll start with that troop box the end is nigh uh so we'll talk about brother daniel Kavanagh, the jongler and is it Callista? Uh, Callista, yeah. That, that wasn't for the pronunciation. It's Callista. Callista, yeah. It's her name is um, Richie would probably give a much better explanation of this, but it's uh, Hindu inspired from She Who Is Most Beautiful, uh, with with a couple of little alterations. But I think Callista is She Who Is Most Beautiful, and he's combined it with a, a Eastern European name. So that's where that comes from. I'm I'm not surprised that Richie managed to find an obscure name. Oh, I'm not surprised either. (laughs) (laughs) Richie's Richie's backgrounds and namings tend to have at least three layers deep. There's normally at least three (laughs) different references to different cultures and uh, movies and God knows what. So I I just do the stupid ones, you know. (laughs) I come up with 
<laughs> Names like Baron von Funches. That's about my cute level of <laughs> intellectuality. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. Anyway, let's look at. Well, I'll, make, I'll, I'll tell you. What, I'll go through Daniel's card first because um, it's quite fun. You so. sh- well, you should because you were pretty influential in in creating it. I think you created about eighty or ninety percent of the rules. Yeah, kind of most of it. Yeah, he took most of it. So he's got melee three. So that's kind of average. So he's not awful, but he's not he's not a beast in melee. Uh, two inch melee because he's holding a massive sign. Um, an arcane four and evades zero like most humans. Um, I, I definitely went for the whimsical side of things when I decided to name his uh, abilities. Because um, it was Richie who wanted to have the once per game ability where you could make someone re-roll, um, which mm. I wasn't sure about at the time, but actually I think it's quite a fun little thing to have because there aren't many things like that. Once, once per game abilities. And it's quite it, nice. it's it worked good. absolutely brilliantly for me in uh, my last playtest game with Brother Daniel. I rolled a one and my opponent rolled a two on the final turn of the game uh, and I made him re-roll thinking there's absolutely no chance of this being useful and he rolled a one <laughs> <laughs> and then we had to re-roll, like roll off together and it, he was he was maddened, let's say. He was not just yeah. like maddened, he was very maddened. <laughs> That's why I wanted to call it slightly maddening because it's not awful and it might only work every now and then, but it is. It would be slightly annoying. If it, <laughs> yeah, it was like, for him because like, I've used it. I've used it twice, and none of the times it worked. But it's one of those times that if it hasn't worked two times and the third time it does, it's really really irritating for your opponent. Like not it's, necessarily game changing, but just oh, that's a bit annoying. <laughs> Um, it's like Fry Flavus's divine intervention. You don't get it off that often, but when you do, it's, it's brilliant, and it's the same as slightly maddening. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, that's a nice little one, a nice little thing. Uh, you get make make your opponent re-roll their initiative roll. And then look at the shine thing. And that's the idea. That, that comes the idea that he's a bit mad and he just can get distracted very easily. Um, oh look, look at that shiny thing on the floor. Um, <laughs> it is it is actually. An incredibly powerful ability for him, though. Um, I think one of the things about Brother Daniel, and, and he doesn't immediately at first glance look like he's super powerful, but my God, is he super powerful sometimes. He's a, he's a real facilitator <laughs> with that uh, look at the shiny thing. One of the big yeah. themes of these Leshevolt characters is that, you know, there's a lot of them with three energy, but a super powerful spell that they can only get off if they've got four energy. And he's he's got probably the most flexible way of giving out that extra energy to enable the rest of the characters. Yeah, well, because he gives it before anyone activates, and that's the, that's the most important thing. He gives it in the replenish step. A lot of others, like like Kavanagh, can give out two, give out one energy, but you have to activate. Yeah. Um, and what I found in our last playtest uh, which was when we played my free play game, which is up on the channel, uh, and I was using the Lesher Vault, is that it basically meant I could just summon as many bunnies as I wanted. Um, yeah, there's... Because like, you're usually, in most Moonstone drops, there's one Moonstone near your deployment zone. Yeah. So Daniel went and grabbed that first Moonstone in turn one, and it meant in turn two, turn three, and turn four, he could give one Moonstone, he could give one extra energy to Boris, turn two and three. Um I think he then gave one to Kavanagh rather than Boris in turn four. I can't remember exactly. Um, but yeah, that reliable additional energy was really useful. There's pretty much 
every character in the Leshevol will want that extra energy. So you're, you're going to have a difficult decision every turn of who do you give it to because they've all got something awesome that they can do with it. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I think he works quite well with, well, he works like he works well with, with all of them, like you say, because he can give that extra energy. But particularly well, I found with Boris because not only can he give the Boris the extra energy before he, before Dan is activated, what I found was he gave Boris the energy, Boris summoned a bunny, and then when Daniel came his turn, he did plant a placard and move that bunny two inches forwards. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> just brilliant. And also, I mean, coming, coming down the placard, he actually, I actually used to the placard quite a lot in that game. And again, it meant that I used it and it got Kavanagh two inches closer to a moonstone. He could then jog, grab with his energy and then step back. Whereas oh. if I hadn't done that, he would have had to use energy to get to the moonstone. We would have been stuck next to it, not, not having it up. I would, I would actually say Brother Daniel is one of the most subtly powerful characters that I've ever seen. You know, his abilities don't look at first glance that great but they're so versatile all of them are so useful yeah, yeah. um and then bell ringer is just a nice um it's not like a really powerful uh heal but it does affect all so it's good against it's good if your characters have all suffered a couple of wounds like for example if they suffered wounds from uh like a catastrophe from someone's catastrophe, like the witches have got catastrophes where everyone suffers wounds within a certain distance. Um, and you can just go, oh, okay, it's okay, I'll heal you all now. Um, yeah, or if you've or if you've been cursed by a witch, because one of the um, witches uh, puts, can put a curse on people and it makes everyone in proximity suffer one wound at the end of the turn. So yeah, in situations like that, it's quite useful. It's, it's, it's quite an interesting alternative to the standard heal he's got a slightly weaker but it's a proximity heal that heals everyone within um four inches which is pretty cool and then obviously what what is i think what i hope does immediately look like a really powerful ability and is also enormously frustrating for your opponent and hilarious for you is the end is nigh yeah, it's it's staggeringly powerful. I mean, it's a four energy ability, and he's only got three energy, so he needs someone like Kavanaugh to help out. Um, a lot of the synergies in the Lesher Vaults are, whereas you've got kind of gnome um, and pirate uh, aura-based synergy, um, the Lesher Vault are much more of the activation order-based synergy. So you, it, you need to activate the right person before some other person gets a better effect when they activate. So um, the End is Nigh um, is one of the most powerful spells in the game, I would say. It's it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, <coughs> I used it in, like I say, in that three-player game that we did, and it, it won me the game. I used for, it in time. For, for the sake of the listeners who, who might not have seen the card, the End is Nigh effectively allows you to teleport a friendly model to within uh, three inches of another model who's already on the board. So if there's somebody running away with a moonstone about to escape, you can zap your um, Kaufman right next to him and, and bribe the moonstone off it more. You know, whatever. Yeah. Lots of yeah. uses. It does have an interesting range. So it started as 3x and we reduced it to 2x. Did we reduce the range? Well, they're still in playtesting at the moment. Yeah. So, um, but, the range, but the range is random. So um, 
which is also a difficult thing, really. I mean, you, you're likely to get the red you want. He's got Arcane Force. You should get the red. Um, but if you only get a red one and the model you want to teleport is three inches away, then you can't. You still can't cast it. Well, you, you could do it on himself, but um, which is actually what I used it for. He teleported himself all the way to pretty much the other side of the board, just about within three inches of one model. It happened to mean he could come, come in contact with a moonstone, um, which he he would then be able to dig up because only because uh, I did it at the end of turn three, and then at the beginning of turn four. I got first activation, picked up that moonstone, and there was absolutely no way that anyone could get it from him because they were all eight nine inches away. Yeah, uh, it, it's an incredibly flexible ability. Yeah, it's also fun because you can also do it on the enemy. So it's both. It's, it's just model. Choose a model within 3x. So if you've got an enemy that you don't like, let's say Fritz has got a bit too close, you just teleport him over the other side of the board. Yeah. <laughs> Which just be like, and no use. I haven't used it like that yet because I haven't had Daniel get that close to to sort of um, big hitters. But I can imagine that just be hilarious. I, I mean, like, it it, 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 it is, turns getting the Baron all the way up to try and hit someone, and then he just pushes him all the way back over the other way, other side. It is absolutely brilliant. I mean, the difficulty with with these uh, lesser vault is you've got so many of these really powerful abilities, and it's just choosing which one you can do. But I actually used Brother Daniel because he's Commonwealth lesser vault. I actually used him in my last playtest uh, with some normal commonwealth um including the librarian who's coming out this year and she's she's got um good abilities to move energy onto people so you can get quite good use out of some of these lush of all superpowers um when you combine with with her can, can she take her ability sorry and it's a bit of a tangent but can she take energy off any friendly model yeah so she'd be really good with Boris then, and just takes him in a different bunny that you don't really need to use. Yeah, she she's going to be again another one of these deceptively powerful characters who who, who aren't you know we, we tend to think of the more powerful characters as the the ones that deal a lot of damage, but there's going to be a few characters coming along this year that are powerful because of uh, their control play and their positional play and and, and some yeah. of the sneaky tricks that they can do rather than just damage dealing. Yeah, definitely. If we just we'll just finish off Daniel with his um, signature move, um, which uh, uh, is called Thwack, because he's just smacked someone in the face with his big sign. Uh, fairly high damage that may need to change if it's too high, but we haven't really tested it enough yet. Um, but one thing I like about it added to is which is the end step effect, which is the opponent's have minus one melee stat to the end of the turn. Because the idea that you just hit them really hard in the head with a big sign, <laughs> it's just like terminal, but they're a bit sort of reading from it. <laughs> um, and they're a bit like, Ugh. and he's probably screaming at them about the end of his night at the same time, and they're a bit overwhelmed by it. Yeah, it's a, it's a very visual, like a lot of the. Um, I mean, I can see Kavanaugh's coming up in a second, and he's got an yeah. even more uh, visually uh, um, impactful <laughs> signature move. Yeah. But I, I like the fact that most of the signature moves you can picture in your head what's going on, and Daniel is smacking someone in the face with a, a massive, great big placard, and it's amusing. Before we move on from um, Brother Daniel, I just wanted to quickly mention his catastrophes because it's another theme of the Lesher Vaults, which is quite an interesting one. So his bell ringer is all characters within the pulse suffer one wound. So if he gets a catastrophe, 
he does one wound to everyone within four inches, which means you might sometimes want to play a catastrophe. You might want to run him into the middle of a group of people and then have a catastrophe. Um, and his end of nigh, sorry, the end is nigh ability also has quite an interesting catastrophe. This, this character's control on must choose either to have him suffer four wounds or be removed from play. So having Brother Daniel suffer four wounds is awful. Being removed from play is potentially worse, but it's also potentially better because the remove from play is different from slain. If you're removed from play, you get to keep your moonstones. So there's situations where in both cases you might actually want the catastrophe to happen, which is good because you can it gives you extra cards in your hand that might be useful because not just the pinks that he's looking for to trigger these abilities, but also catastrophe. So that's three extra cards that might be useful, but also it gives you a bit more confidence when you're bluffing these abilities because in in certain situations the catastrophe might actually be to your benefit. Yeah, definitely. And that's a big theme for all of the Leshevold characters. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get to some of the where some that can actually directly benefit others with that later as well. Um, so if we move on to Kavanagh next, Kavanagh the Jongler, who's a little gnome. <laughs> um, I actually think he's, and I know I've seen the artwork for some of the newer ones, he's, of the current artwork we've got at this current date i'm talking to you he's the freakiest looking, looking little man ever <laughs> isn't he i think that he's 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 the epitome of a creepy clown really but it's the massive forehead that i find really freaky <coughs> it's um, horrific isn't it i hope um yeah i hope he, he didn't cause any offense <laughs> to jack no, he did he did he did no, he was very happy. He was very happy. But um, yeah, so we'll quickly go through his card. So he's got melee three as well, which is a nice... Melee three is a nice average, I think. I think with melee three, it means if you're the attacker, you're getting five, which is a good you know, good number to get. You, you, you're going to get at least one card you want. Um, but it means when you're the defender, you're not totally screwed. Um, range one, standard arcane three, and evade minus one. Um, he's an interesting one in the sense that he's, I would say, also one that's not immediately evidently powerful, but I would also find it hard not to take him. I mean, he's he's another facilitator with his black comedy. Um, target cultist suffers two wounds and gains plus one energy. So he's a great one for um, allowing these powerful abilities to come off, although you do have to deal the wounds to people. Um his juggling fate is probably his best ability. So it's it's one of these expensive super abilities that costs more than the amount of energy that he's got. But um, he gets two of the energy back, and then he gets to draw the top three cards of the arcane deck, look at them, and place one back on top of the deck, one on the bottom of the deck, and one besides this character. So the idea is you... And this is another theme. Um, it's quite a few uh, new themes that we're trying out with these characters. One of the themes is basically removing cards from the arcane deck or arcane deck manipulation. And there's a few characters. This is the first one where you get to remove a card. Not only do you get to sort of stack the deck, as you might have seen with young Jack previously, you get to remove a card and keep it along, basically alongside his stack card and use it whenever you like. So at any point, you can add it to your hand. 
So that's that's pretty useful. I mean, he gets to look at the top three and you can either choose to be nasty and remove a card. You know, if you're playing fairies, they rely on a lot of pinks. You can remove like a pink three just to just to mess them up. Or if you know that there's a particular ability that you want to get off, you can choose that one. It's, you know, lots of flexibility again. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, the, just have it, just the, the card that he takes and put next to his character card is it only him that gets to use that. No, it's uh, it's you as a player get to use it. Oh yeah, it's at any point you can so, add the move card. Yeah, and so any of your characters who are um, doing an arcane ability, you can add the remove cards to your hand, or if you're resisting, you and you might have removed catastrophe. Uh, you can just kind of um, add that to your hand at any point as well. Yeah, yeah, that's an awesome one. I haven't, I don't think I used it in the last game, but that's mainly a game because I was giving the energy to Boris because Boris was the one I was really trying to try out at the time. And it was just too much fun summoning bunnies to not keep doing it. Um, and then lastly, he's got Butterfingers. So There's the front of the card, last got Butterfingers. Um, target loses possession of one Moonstone. They're carrying and placing base contact with them at a value of one, same as uh, the main Butterfingers. It's um, exactly the same as um, as Butterfingers, but a little bit weaker because he's only got Arcane 3. However, we are playtesting at the moment a change to the Butterfingers ability, dropping it down to only two energy, um, which is particularly relevant for Butterfingers the Fairy. Um, because it means he gets to do the ability twice per turn, which could, which will increase his power level. Uh, which would be a good thing, but it, as a, it'll have a knock-on effect of also helping Kavanagh, um, because if he gets an extra energy onto him somehow, uh, he could potentially make two people drop a Moonstone. Yeah, that's no, definitely really good. Definitely definitely useful, that one. Especially like, to you know, end the game, especially if you get into a, a sudden death situation, um, which again, in the, in the three-player game we played, it didn't come down to sudden death, but it could have. If I'd failed my end is nigh spell, it would have come, come down to sudden death. And we'd already decided that I would probably then win because I would just move Cavern up and, and cast that. And as soon as he dropped it, I then won immediately. Um, so definitely useful in that situation. And then uh, his signature move, which is on Rising Attack, another fun name, uh, the Vanishing Bulls trick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Massive damage. It does do it against almost everything apart from low guard. Um, it goes two, two, one. Um, so the, the idea is that the uh, his the colleagues on the Leshwalt side are so amused by seeing the balls vanish that they all gain energy, which is great because it can. It's another way of triggering off all of your superpowers. You run him in and he kicks someone and. Well, I don't know what he does to make the balls vanish, but <laughs> there's some kicking involved. Uh, and then, you know, like his black comedy, the idea is he gives energy. It's like um, C6Gew with his uh, bawdy jokes. The idea is that, you know, funny characters give extra energy to um, others around them. Yeah, so uh, move on to the next one. Callista. Callista, I might need you to... You're need you to talk more about her. I've only played her once and she died pretty much at the beginning of turn two, so I've not got a huge amount of use out of her. Yeah, sure. I mean... Um, yeah, I'll leave you to talk about her more. Yeah, I'll talk about... I'll, I'll be fairly quick. Um, so she's a healer. 
Um, she's got, uh, like Brother Daniel, who who's also a healer, she's, she's a healer with a twist. So instead of the standard healing ability where the target restores X plus one wounds, she's got target restores X wounds, so a bit weaker, and gains protection. So protection is one of our new abilities. It's a, um, a static ability, sorry, a passive ability, um, that gets added onto the card, and it basically means the next time they take damage this turn, it's reduced to nil. So she she heals people, but she also kind of protects them until the end of the turn as well. Um, she's got, like most of the Lesher Vaults, she's got a, a superpower, which is pyroclasm. So um, it's a three-inch pulse. She needs to gain an extra energy from someone to do it. Um, yeah. all models within three inches suffer three magical damage and are moved three inches directly away. So if you get that ability off, you just go BOW! Like all around her and everybody <laughs> goes flying and takes loads of damage. Um, unlike most of the other Lesher Vaults, she can give herself energy, um, or not give herself energy, but she can get lucky enough to trigger this pyroclasm. She's got an ability called Joy of Entropy. Whenever an enemy is slain, this character gains plus one energy. So if you so is that to... just the point that they're slain. That's the point that they're slain. So you really need to kind of save her to activate later in the turn if you're hoping to get that off and hope that an enemy character is slain at some point in the turn. If you if you activate her early and she gains that extra energy, it's not going to be anywhere near as useful because all we can do is like a reaction step or a go for it or something. But if you leave her to activate late, you'll you'll potentially get to do that awesome explosive ability. It, she's an interesting one. It, it, activation order is going to be the most interesting part of playing Leshevolt because she's a healer, so you want to activate her late. And she's got this joy of entropy, so you want to activate a late just in case you can get off the pyroclasm. But then the other part of the Leshevitz caress, the protection, you want to probably activate early so that you can get that on someone who you think might be attacked this turn. Um, so th there's going to be an awful lot of who do I activate first and why when playing these characters, I think. Yeah. Definitely. And then the other thing, last, last one, she's got... Um, She's got a dagger, but, you know, it's the same as other people's daggers. She's got Conductor. Other cultists and spirits within four inches gain plus one arcane stat. So she obviously comes in a box with uh, cultists. So that's useful to um, uh, Kavanaugh and Brother Daniel and Lubard. Um, but it also means if you play her with some of the characters from so the witch and time boxer all three of them are spirits so if you play her alongside those that's quite useful all of them get a quite a nice bonus um the revenant in the cursed box is a spirit and so is anya Bartholdstriga strigger when she when she converts into the monster form so can be potentially quite useful in a lot of different builds that um conductor ability Definitely, I think almost particularly alongside uh, actually some of the, the the witches actually because they haven't got a lot of the witches they haven't necessarily got really high arcane stats. So, um, and we'll get to the witches possibly in a bit, but they can certainly benefit from that. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, Should we move on to the witches now? Yeah, yeah, let's do let's do that because I really like the witches, and I think the witches the witches feel to me like quite a um, pivotal part of the Leshevolt in terms of the law, in terms of the fluff. They seem to have influenced the Leshevolt for quite a long time in the in the narrative. I won't go too much into the narrative because that's obviously not been sort of released yet at this point. But um, yeah, they certainly influence other parts of the. Of the yeah, I think I think they. Um... Richie kind of uh, sort of started spinning the the story to me about these three witches quite a while ago, and and that was, as you say, kind of the starting point for quite a lot of the other characters. This this idea that there are three witches, and and to be clear, the witches aren't humans; they're spirits. So although they have these human bodies, these human forms, they are they're not as simple as a as a sort of a pretty young maiden and a uh, a comely um, middle-aged mother and a, and a hideous old woman. They're um, they're kind of like representations of time. It's a bit of a weird one. Um, Zoya is um, kind of representing the the future. Antonia is representing the present, and um, Danica is representing the past. So there's a they're a very interesting trio in terms of their abilities because there's lots of um, patterns basically in uh, in how their abilities you know you, you'll see as we go through them one by one but they, they've got each kind of a, a slightly different version of the same ability yeah yeah so if we start with we'll start with uh, Zoya shall we uh, the dawn witch so she's the melee one of the three isn't she so she melee. is and and she's very very scary in melee, but she's very reliant on her violent impulse arcane ability. So she doesn't have a static ability like most of the humans have got, like a a big giant sword or something to chop people up with. She's got a spell called violent impulse, which uh, only costs her one, and and it's not once per turn, so she can cast it potentially multiple times. And it's always a bit of a dilemma how how greedy do you get. Um, because it triggers on pinks and uh, the effect is this character's melee attacks deal plus x damage until end of turn so if you get a pink two she does plus two damage and you can play that ability again you know it's not that difficult to get her up to plus four damage but you've burnt through you know quite a bit of your you know at least two of your energies i would have thought to to get those super high damage but she can be very very scary and even and she's another one that even if you happen to get the catastrophe off, it doesn't really matter. It just means all characters are in four D opens one. So it yeah. might mean that you get it as well. Or it might mean you've activated it beforehand and she's not actually in combat yet. Which includes include her, you know, she's a character within four inches. You know, all pulses in, you know, in, include the character, the originator. So um she's only got an arcane of two, and she's looking for pinks. But if your hand is like a, a green one and a catastrophe, you might very well decide to play the catastrophe because giving the extra plus one melee damage to her, even though you're also giving plus one melee damage to your opponent and anyone who's anywhere near her, um, might seem like a good deal. And that, that means yeah, instead of... And, and said, well, if, if she's standing within four inches of Callister, she's, she's arcane three anyway, and therefore got the slightly higher than what she yeah. wants to. But it, it means I, I, I used to, I, I really, 
Go on, you, 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 you go first. Because the catastrophes are potentially useful, instead of just looking for the six pink cards that are in the deck, you're now looking at the six pink cards plus the three catastrophes, which means there's actually nine useful cards in the deck. So it compensates quite a bit for the low arcane stuff. Yeah. I've only used her once so far. And what I, I did Violent Impulse. Uh, how, did I work, how did I work this out? I think I did Violent Impulse because towards the end of the turn, um, I didn't actually play that game very well, but there's one thing I did do quite well, which I used to do quite well. I did Violent Impulse. Oh, no, no, I know what I did. I ended her all the other side, the other side of the board. Uh, healer, did Violent Impulse and then murdered his healer in one hit. <laughs> <laughs> because it didn't really matter that I can't remember who I was hitting now, but it didn't really matter that the opponent. I know, you know, because I got it off correctly, so she did get like plus two damage, and I was also the attacker, so I think I managed to do like a double. But uh, her signature move betrayals on a high guard managed to do like a double of that, and he played I think a high guard as well, and I ended up just doing some horrible like eight damage. All at once or six damage immediately yeah. and I just just killed us killed the effect away which is quite, quite funny because she's not just I mean it was a bit of a suicide move because she then died later on but I kind of wanted to have a bit of fun um but you know you expect your healer to just be safe and then suddenly their scariest melee person just appears next to them <laughs> yeah Zoya's an absolute savage potentially yeah and if we actually because that's like you said that's um, something to make the scary in combat but uh, I think it's worth then talking about um, link, link to the Present which is her passability which is something that comes up with the other two Yeah so all of the witches have got this link to the present link to the past, link to the future which basically means uh, if they have so if so Zoya the Dawn Witch if her um, mother, maybe she's a mother, I don't know certainly um, the the slightly older witch if she's in the troop then Zoya becomes much more powerful uh you get the same thing with Antonia the noonday witch if the elderly witch is in the troop she becomes much more powerful and um so they all kind of trigger off one another if you've got all three then all three of them get quite quite good bonuses in Zoya's case uh if this troop includes the noonday witch then this character gains plus two energy during the replenish step which she really needs because she only has two energy um, to begin with. So that puts her up to four. And then it says, if Antonia the Noonday Witch is slain, this character gains plus three energy instead. So you can't get rid of <laughs> the bonus just by killing the, um, uh, yeah. the the witch that triggers the ability. You, you know, like makes it even makes them even more powerful. Yeah, yeah, which I really, I really like that addition. It's almost like she's absorb the spirit like part of the spirit that's it, that, that is exactly what um that is exactly how i intended it when i wrote that rule although richie thinks it's funnier if they actually secretly hate one another <laughs> <laughs> of course he does <coughs> um and then she's got swift same as uh like fencer yeah reaction step which is offer which is really useful it's really, again another one of those i think possibly slightly under recognized yeah abilities like oh you know being able to do a two inch step out of combat or into or whatever is is really useful um and then visions of the 
future target other friendly character immediately suffers one catastrophe. So she's not the only person that can do this kind of ability. Um, yeah, the Revenant can do it as well. Yeah. yeah, she can trigger a catastrophe on someone else's card. Um, it, which, if, you're, you know, if you're the kind <coughs> of who likes combos, you are going to absolutely love these characters because there's so many different weird things that you can do, but they kind of require you, they require more than one character. So Visions of the Future target other friendly character. So a lot of their abilities they can't necessarily do on themselves, but they can set up other people and you're going to think target other friendly character immediately suffers one catastrophe how the hell can i use that that sounds useless but when you scour around all of the other characters that you can take with her you'll notice there's actually loads and loads of times where you might find that that's really useful and the one that immediately sticks out to me um because it happens to be on the on the on, the, on another witch card is danica's vision to the past all models within six inches suffer one wound, but gain one energy, which is yeah. just amazing. Oh, uh, you can see there's various. <laughs> yeah, so suddenly Boris has got so. suddenly Boris has got the four energy he needs to summon Jacob, and well, Daniel's got the energy he needs to cast End is Nigh, and Kavanagh. Because suddenly all of those people can suddenly gain that extra energy they want if they're within six inches of it. Do all those extra abilities. That's just absolutely mad. Exactly. It's totally combo-tastic and it's fairly well yeah. hidden on the cards. You wouldn't necessarily notice all of this stuff when you first look at yeah. them. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, so moving on, as I've mentioned her uh, signature move already, it's on, it's, which is another one of those ones that's on, it's on a guard, but does damage, which is amazing. Um, Again, it's stuff that's really easy to overlook when you're new to the game, but um, these signature moves that do damage on guards are great because you hardly, you know, you don't suffer much damage yourself. And if you look at the, there's a people probably wouldn't notice this, but the damage profile on betrayal is that of a rising attack. So you play a high guard and suffer the damage that you would have got on high guard, but then the lower half of the card is basically a rising attack. So what it what it's simulating is her appearing one thing whilst doing another. Right. Cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. <coughs> it's also good that it's still impact slicing and piercing. So yeah. you get to par those characters who can ignore impact damage or it's, better against slicing and it's piercing. Part, I so. think that's the first one that we've the first um, signature move that I've created that actually allows you to still choose. And it's because of this idea that I had about it actually she's playing a rising attack but she's making it look like and getting all the benefits of a high guard that i allowed it to keep with the impact slicing and piercing yeah definitely so the next one is antonia the noonday witch so she's got uh, melee three range one arcane three and evade zero uh her um link to the past if this troop includes danica the, the dusk witch's character gains plus two arcane which is awesome because all her abilities are arcane after that. Um, and then if she's down to lane, just plus three arcane. So she's down to arcane six, which is like second highest in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's um, crazy. Um, in my last game, Richie... Um, uh, she was arcane six because Danica was dead. Then she got plus one from Callista being nearby, and then plus one for the evade of the character. And she was drawing eight cards, eight arcane cards. So that three arcane, you know, doesn't look that impressive, but man, can she blast some powerful spells out? Yeah. 
so then she so she's actually just to me she's mainly an arcane character so she's got healing standard healing spell x plus one wounds suffering is pretty horrible um eight inch range it's nice long range actually for x plus one magical damage yeah. Um, is again. It's what she's one of those catastrophes where if she's surrounded, you might just play the catastrophe. Exactly. All models within four suffer physical damage. So. And you might even run um, her into the middle of a group of people and then use uh, Zoya's uh, visions of the future to, you know, trigger her catastrophe even when she's not exactly, even active. Yeah. Yeah. Or if she, or if she's got surrounded but she's still just about alive. Yeah. You might think, exactly. oh, she's going to in a second anyway. So let's kill her off. Yeah. And um. <clears throat> And do that, and then make Zoya better. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. The <laughs> um, so Zoya, oh, that's a horrible thing to think about. But Zoya kills her, her mother, but gets stronger because of it. Yeah, oh, man, that's, <laughs> there's, that's, there's some real creepy stuff in, in these rules. <laughs> yeah. And then last one, visions of the present target suffers an amount of wounds equal to the number they've currently suffered. What's amazing about this one is if she's not suffered any wounds, the catastrophe is totally worryless. Yeah. This character suffers an amount of wounds equal to the number of wounds they've already suffered. So if she hasn't suffered any, you can just go in there and cast it no matter what, and you can bluff as much as you like. So, okay, well, you've got a catastrophe, it doesn't matter, it doesn't have any wounds. Um, Absolutely. But again, really good. If someone's, someone's like, let's say, <coughs> Gotchka has already suffered five wounds, so you think, oh, he's pretty safe on that because he's got loads, and she hits him with that, suffering another five wounds from one spell is horrible. I mean, most of the time when she gets visions of the present off, she's going to kill someone because you're going to choose an opponent who's already taken over 50% of their wounds. You know, someone who's got eight wounds has already taken five or whatever. Uh, and you you will pick people that are going to die instantly. So, yeah, because otherwise times you just... Of, yeah. Nine times out of ten, that, that spell says blue three or pink three target is slain <laughs> yeah. but um it, it, it's especially especially if she's got arcane five or arcane six yeah but um you know i, I wanted to make it um flavorful and the idea is that uh, visions of the present whatever is current is is amplified so yes and that's a lot of sense okay and then her um signature move is a very much defensive one but interestingly it's on a Interface, it's on a falling swing. Um, yeah, it's, so, it was so no there's, damage at all. There's, kind of a, there's a theme, you know, there's lots of themes that run through all three of these witches. You know, at one point we discussed about whether they should be three separate characters or kind of like one monster on a big base, because, um, but yeah. I think it's better as three synergistic characters. But, you know, their, their signature moves called Betrayal, Deception, and Illusion. So there's a kind of yeah. a theme, and all of them effectively behave very differently from the card that they're upgrading from so the deception is an upgrade for a falling swing um but it's very very defensive it looks more like a guard it reduces all damage suffered by minus two and it gets a follow-up attack against falling swing and rising attack so it's it's like a guard basically but you trigger it on a falling swing which gives her a bit more defense because she can obviously she's not going to want to fight if she finds herself stuck in a fight she's probably going to be looking for those uh guard cards anyway um so it gives her one extra card that counts effectively for her as a guard yeah definitely definitely so she's she can basically get four guard cards as well yeah exactly Um, so 
Okay. So uh, Danica's next. She's the she's the one that's got the most that's like disturbing looking model because she looks like it's a really creepy. Uh, well, yeah. Basically, she's a bit more like a stereotypical creepy witch, doesn't she? Got long nose and claws. It's, it's funny because I think all three of them are stereotypical witches, just in very very different ways. Yes, but I guess she, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I see. I see your point with that. I think if I, I guess for me, Danica is almost like the Wicked Witch of the West kind of kind of witch, isn't she? Um, yeah, she's hideous. That, that kind of image. So she's melee two, range one, arcane four. So I've got the highest arcane stat. The there's there's another four. another little pattern which you might have noticed or you might not. Um, Zoya's got melee four, arcane two. Antonia's got melee three, arcane three, and Danica's got melee two, arcane four. So they kind of flip. It's kind of like it twists as you go through the generations. Yeah, that, that was interesting. That was the first thing I noticed when I when I got the. the the printout was I noticed that and I noticed how it went four three two on the melee and two three four on the arcane. Um, so her link is linked to the future. If the troop includes Zoya, uh, this character restores two wounds at the start of the replenish step. If she's slain, she restores three wounds. So it's a nice little touch for her. She's got the least wounds of all three, so she can um, get them back again. And then <coughs> medal with fate once per game. Uh, good, uh, good end of turn. Ability, I feel actually with this one, which you can get the get the wounds back. Uh, draw three, oh, draw three uh, cards from the arcane deck for each for each spirit in play. So if they're all there, you can just take nine. Um, if they're all there, you can take nine. If you've got the Reverend, you can take twelve. If you've got Anya, who's converted into Striger form, then you could take fifteen. So again, there's there's definitely yeah surprise um, combos out there. Yeah, then you may choose up to three of the cards to remove from the deck and place face down beside this character card. For each card removed, this character suffers two wounds and shuffle the remaining ones into the deck. Um, obviously, it's a bit, if you took two, then she's, or if you took three, she's down to one wound, but um, if she's safe at the back and then you're then going to heal her up, then that's, that's not too bad. But yeah, I mean, removing, again, removing more cards from the arcane deck. So if she's done it, and if Cavern has done it, and then obviously you've got latest one, you've got Gwendolyn. Gwendolyn can do it. Yeah, Gwendolyn can do it as well. Scry. You can really mess up the fairies. <laughs> yeah, fairies are particularly vulnerable to it because they just they rely so much on pink cards. But yeah. it can it can mess up anyone if you're looking facing a, a gnome gun line. That's reliant on greens. Um, yeah. Some some uh, some um, troops are very reliant on certain numbers. So a lot of these lesser vaults. Um, use all three of the colours, but their abilities trigger off numbers. Like, um, you know, these visions only work on threes, for example. So this, it, I think it's going to be a really powerful ability in the tournament scene in a, a year or so's time when when you get established um, uh, matters that are developed and, and established troops that are known to be the most powerful then you can bring her in as a hoser to deliberately strip out the cards that those dominant uh, troops are using. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the way I see it as well, you see, yes, you've got the fairies with their most of their things are on red and the gnomes are on green. But also the humans, mo- all their healing is on blue. Yeah. Take, take out their powerful hit, because you know, Eric can do it on blue and um, 
Fire Flavius and Quack, all their healing spells are on blue. Not on blue anyway. I mean, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage. No matter what cards you take, you're going to end up feeling the pain yourself a bit as the less evolved player. Yeah, they do use all the colours. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's other tricks you can do. You could take out all the catastrophes, for example. Your opponent yeah. doesn't know what cards you've taken out. You could take out all the catastrophes and potentially get a couple of turns of free bluffing before they realise what's going on. And yeah, there's, there's lots of cool tricks you can do with that. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And then he's got Curse. Target gains Cursed. During the discard step, this character and all friendly characters within four inches suffer one wounded until the end of the game, which is pretty horrible. So yeah. you cast it on then they're going to suffer one wound in the discard step every turn. So if you can get that off, well, turn one, it might be tricky, but even turn two, they're going to suffer it three times and all their friendly characters within four inches as well. It could be a way of just... It's like, tricky. again, really good, against, really good against fairies if you can get it off. She's not... It'd be hard for, I suppose, because of Arcane will be dropped a bit, but They'll all, they'll all be losing that energy off the top of their card. Yeah, the so they'll be losing en- yeah, energy in the process. I mean, it's, it's horrible against fairies because of that reason. Um, it's horrible against gnomes because they like to cluster up, so they're all going to suffer the wounds. Um, it, it's a very horrible ability to be on the receiving end of, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the catastrophe is that this model and, and all models within four suffer two wounds. So again, another one that if she was like surrounded, Zoya can just help us, you know, cause two wounds to everyone within four inches again. Same as um, suffering catastrophe. So another way of yeah of doing Absolutely. that, which is fun. And then uh, her ultra powerful uh, spell, which is the one that costs four with a range of six, while well, she's only got three energy is vision to the past so target restores all wounds and all energy um which is a bit more and as we mentioned earlier the catastrophe of that is all models within six suffer one energy so you can either use it to completely heal someone that's almost dead or you can use it to give everyone around you select an extra energy exactly and interestingly it's triggered on a green three a blue three or a pink three so there's three cards in the deck that can trigger the the main uh, content of the ability, but there's also three catastrophes. So she's actually got equally high chance of pulling off either of those two um, abilities. So it's kind of two abilities in one, really, that one. Yeah. And they're both really good. <laughs> yeah, they're both, they are both really good, yeah. And, and also because it, it obviously could be a Lesher Vault. There's not a lot of Lesher Vault that have energy on at the top. Near, yeah. near the top of their, yeah. their wounds, kind of thing. it's usually they can they can afford to suffer two or three wounds before they're worried about losing energy. So yeah, they've got fairly weak. similar energy distribution to humans. So yeah. yeah. Um, and then her signature, which obviously is in line with betrayal and deception, is illusion. Uh, cast on a thrust, deals no damage at all, and with no counters, but she suffers no damage at all, no matter what. And yeah, it's, it's very similar to the fairy can't hit me, except it triggers yeah. off a thrust instead of off a high guard. So it's actually better in a way because um, it means you probably would never be playing a thrust with her. You'd be looking for those guards. But because this triggers on a thrust, you can keep her safe with four cards again. Yeah, yeah, and I really like the, the witches. 
I think that it would be hard to not take all three. Very hard, I think, yeah. I'll take all three. And I don't have an issue with that. I think that's really fun because I think that's... Because I do like narrative links when I'm playing games. Um, and that's... Yeah. So, and so that's, whilst... It, I was just going to say, whilst, it, whilst you would almost certainly take all three... Um, there are lots of synergies that other characters have with the witches. So so your witches list isn't going to be exactly the same. It's just going to have a core of three and then and then some other ones that you're swapping in and out for your other slots. Yeah. And that could be quite good fun to try out all the various different other characters that combo nicely with the witches. I mean, saying that, you know, with, with all these new Leshwar coming out and the new models coming out, later in the year outside the Kickstarter. It's going to be pretty hard to choose a, choose a troop anyway because they're all so awesome. Oh, God, it's going to get so much harder. You, you know, the players so far have had it so easy because, you know, it's pretty know, hard know, to be six, six characters that pick themselves for your troops depending on what race you go for. But that, you know, those days are over, I'm afraid, guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and there isn't even... There, there aren't even going to be... I mean, apart from, apart from the healer, if you need a healer, but... I mean, we're just slightly off topic, I suppose, but also kind of not in the sense that um, in the current current format at this point in time, which is the 20th of March, um, you're playing fairies, you've got to take Freya because she's your only healer. Mm-hmm. You're taking goblins, you've got to take Beaky because she's your only healer. But that's going to be that, that auto-include option that's been there so far is going to completely disappear because yeah. every single faction is going to gain extra healers and extra ways of doing things. That's right. Um, so, which is which is I think is great. It's, it's, it's awesome. The characters are all great. They're really going to um, open up the game even more. Um, <coughs> so that's the end is nigh, and I can't remember what that trick box is called for the witches. A witch in time. A witch in time. That's it. I thought it was something <laughs> like that. Um, I think which one to go for next. I like doing it in trick boxes. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone, any, anyone you want to hear talk about? Uh, let's go on to. We could do the cursed because they follow on very nicely from the witch in time. That's exactly what I was just thinking. Exactly what I was just thinking. Let's do the cursed because it does follow straight on from from the witch. Um, and the cursed are really fun, so why wouldn't you? Um, now I I don't know the cursed as well. I've only played them, I think, once. So I might ne- let you lead the discussion on the cursed a bit more. Sure. Then, so, I, I mean, the reason yeah. we're saying that they follow on quite nicely is because each member of the cur- each character from the cursed box has been cursed by one of the witches from the witch box. Yes. So the cursed are actually um, basically dominion humans, and you may have heard us talking about dominion humans. It's one of the angles that we are due to flesh out and some characters exist they're kind of these um old money decrepit old georgian flamboyant flouncy um flouncy dressed humans who were part of the uh ruling elite until the commonwealth uprising that knocked them from power and they're very bitter and twisted you know you might be kind of dracula in its old tower with lightning bolts behind and they're all you know creepy it's that kind of vibe that they've got going and the and the cursed box are basically dominion humans that have been cursed by witches for being so evil 
So although the witches themselves might seem evil, they they obviously, you know, like a lot of Moonstone characters, it's not as clean cut as that. And they actually go around punishing people they see, see as being evil. Um, so the first one is the Revenant, who uh, is a noble uh, human. Um, he's Lechevolt slash Dominion, because he will play very nicely with the Dominion humans when we eventually release them. Uh, but he's also under the control of his uh, patron witch, which I believe is Danica. Um, and he's cursed with undeath. So his first ability is called Undying. Each time this character would be slain, instead restore all wounds. Um, the version we've been testing so far has been all wounds and all energy. Um, but that may be a little strong. So it may be that the final version is just restore all wounds. But the idea is every time you would kill him, he just immediately <laughs> fully regenerates. Now, to make that not quite as horrendous as it sounds, his energy chart uh, is flipped. So whereas most of them tend to have most of the blue dots towards the left hand side where they're, you know, the lower end of their energy, the Revenant's got his energy on the right hand side. So when he's on full health, he's got three energy. Um, but when he's suffered three wounds, he's down to one energy already. So yeah. he, you can't kill him, but you can wound him a bit to sort of, you know, disable him. Um, and then, and then the Revenant player has got this interesting situation where he kind of wants to suffer wounds because as soon as he suffers the wounds, he'll regenerate back up to full and, and get all of his energy back. So he kind of wants to die. <laughs> this is another way that I've yeah. put quite a lot of creepiness into the rules. When you're playing with the Revenant, you want him to die. He wants to die himself, but your opponent's probably going to be trying to keep him alive. Yeah. It's a really odd juxtaposition that, and I remember when I used him, I got him into combat with one of the pirates, and it was it's, it's such a different combat. Like I'm trying to still trying to hurt the pirate with offensive stuff, and I can be as offensive as I like. And Jack was like, "But I don't I don't want to hit you. <laughs> I don't want to hurt you because I might just kill you, and then you get back up again. I don't want to do that. I want to take a couple of wounds off." And it was just it was just really it's a really interesting dynamic in that. He didn't know what to do because like, normally I would just play a attacking card or something and if I had one but I, I don't want to I want to defend but I don't want to counterattack because then I might hurt you and then you might get back up again he's, he's um, a weird one yeah he's definitely going to mess with people's yeah. heads yeah and he's he's got quite unless he's got one inch range he's quite good for like board control I think I sit, like you can sit him in the middle with no worries at all because I want you to kill me it doesn't matter um, and, and obviously <laughs> I'll tell you what he's great at is being a Moonstone character. Uh, character. Yeah, yeah, two reasons. You can't yeah. get the Moonstone off him just by killing him, which is the normal, most common way of getting a Moonstone off someone. And um, what makes him even better as a Moonstone character is his signature move. Sorry, I'm, I'm jump, jumping ahead to it. Yeah, that's De- yeah. Destiny fulfilled. He he does a he can do a basically he wants to die by killing his nemesis. So you can do your your signature move, Destiny Fulfilled, which triggers on a thrust, does quite, well, very high damage. And then it says, end step effect, if the enemy is slain, this character is removed from play, which you might read at first thought thinking, 
oh no, that's horrible. You know, I can use my super powerful attack, but then this character's gone for the game. <laughs> but if you're using him as a Moonstone carrier, then you might actually want him removed from play because you've made all those Moonstones safe. So yeah. he's, it's, so for me, you know, I, I've Dan's mentioned a couple of times that he's a melee character. For me, he's not really a melee character. He's, he's average, I would say, melee's. What for me he is is, and every troop needs it. Is it, they need someone who's picking up moonstones and keeping them safe. And for me, that's what this guy's main role is. The, 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 the difference between him and other good moonstone carriers is often other good moonstone carriers are quite defensive. So like Tito is a great example. You know, she can pick it up, and then you, you're going to find a really hard time trying to hit her afterwards. With him, you can pick up moonstones and then still charge down the middle. Yeah. I mean, and, and especially if they have if they haven't got butterfingers if they haven't got i think it's muradai can um take yeah them. there's there's a few and kaufman and natty the there's a few yeah. that can steal moonstones but there's a um, few and, and there's obviously good and there's more coming up than the ones that are currently out but if they haven't got those characters or they're they're not immediately available to them as, as it were they're not close enough you can shove him down the middle still without worrying about him having to die from you know, normally you, you don't want to pick up a moonstone or someone and then charge down the middle because they died on the moonstone. That's the whole point of the game. But you don't have to worry about that with him. Yeah, absolutely. Still, still sit in the middle and not worry about it. Totally. I, th- I think that's his biggest strength, personally. And it's going to encourage people to take because <laughs> there's a, a there are a few characters that can steal moonstones, and there's as you said, the, there's the number of them is going to be increasing, um, and they haven't seen an awful lot of competitive play yet, but characters like the Revenant are going to suddenly make people take note of them a little bit more, I think. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Another thing to mention, um, so you said that he's not he's not a main melee character, but he is fairly good at it. And the one of the reason that he's fairly good at it is because I've seen it all before. Um, so if this character's passive ability, this character is involved in a round of melee, before each player selects their combat card, your opponent must reveal their hand. It's a bit like Intimidate, but he gets it for free all the time. Um, I mean, yeah. he, he has no buffs to his damage at all, um, unless someone gives it to him, which I don't, top of my head, if anyone can do that. But um, So seen but, it all before works really well when you're fighting someone who's only got about, you know, three cards in their hand. Yeah. It's really, really useful. But if you're fighting a, a dedicated melee fighter who's drawing seven or eight cards then it doesn't help you that much because you you see their hand and you you realize that they can play practically everything anyway um yeah so it it helps him fight weaker characters but it's it's not going to make him be able to put any significant damage on a on a strong melee fighter what, what, what it is though is it is really annoying for your opponent <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's really annoying. Oh, I can't show you my hands. Oh, that's annoying. <laughs> yeah, um, which is always just hilarious. Um, and then he's also got visions of the future, like uh, Zoya has, where he can make a friendly character suffer a catastrophe, which we discussed before. So we can kind of just just yeah, over that. totally. And then. Uh, his last ability, which is an arcane, is Eternal Kill. Cost two, six-inch range. Target suffers X magical damage and gains slow, which is quite interesting. So it's not a huge amount of damage. 
Um, although it does help get through armor and things, but um, the game slow is nice, I think. Reducing your, your enemy's ability to move around the board, I think, is really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's situationally useful. It's it's not a, a showstopper move, but it can be good. Yeah. Yeah. So, next one uh, down, and I can't pronounce this name. Before we move on, I'll just... His catastrophe, I think, is an interesting one. This character restores one wound. The target restores two wounds. So you can use that as a, as a pseudo heal. So you yeah. can choose to play a catastrophe. You can target himself, for example, and play a catastrophe. And he gave, he restores one wound and so does the target, which is him. So he can pseudo oh, heal no. himself for three. It doesn't, say, it doesn't say enemy, does it? No, it doesn't. Yeah. And, and you could also you could also just use it as a healing spell to heal one wound off a friendly character and then two wounds on himself. Exactly, yeah. And you can you can let's say he's uh, taken a few wounds and you you know you're going to go into the next turn with no energy on him, which could very well happen. Then maybe you use Zoya's uh, visions of the future to trigger the catastrophe off on him and give him a self heal for three. Yeah, 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 definitely cool. And we've discussed his uh, signature already, so um, cool. We move on to the beast, and I'd, I can you pronounce the name? No, and <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think we're actually going to just drop that name and just call him the beast because there's, okay. there's a few too many hard to pronounce and you know hard to remember names. So I think I, I'm going to rein that back in a bit well, and have a few yeah, well, I, I can't imagine he, he'll just get called the beast anyway because no one will pronounce the name so. yeah exactly so he is pretty good in melee he's melee I was actually start with he's, he's human noble and animal which is interesting he's got a noble and animal mm-hmm. um, words uh, he's melee 5 which is which is high very high and range 2 arcane 0 and evade plus 1 um, he's got Razor claws, so plus two damage with slicing, um, and plus one with impact and piercing. So he's he's definitely a good damage dealer. Um, I'll let you explain the rest if that's all right. Cause yeah, of course. So the idea is he's really, really, really effective in melee, but he doesn't want to fight. <laughs> so he's only got two energy. He's quite lethargic. Unless he's attacked, because he's got the Awake the Beast ability. The first time an enemy targets this character with a melee attack or arcane action, in a turn he gains one wound. Sorry, he restores one wound and gains two energy. So if you leave him alone, he's not going to do that much to you. But if you attack him, suddenly he's a melee five character with plus two damage and four energy, who's going to rip your face off. So it's another one of these abilities where... Um, a little bit like uh, Arcane Reflection on Tito, he's very often going to be extremely survivable because people aren't going to want to attack him very often. Yeah, um, so, yeah go on, I'll, I'll ask a question in a second. And, and then uh, his other abilities kind of follow along in the same line. He doesn't deal much damage, but he, you know, he's got the quite terrifying ability. Whenever a non-giant non-troll enemy character ends a move within this model's melee zone for the first time this turn it must discard one energy so he can kind of not as effectively as boulder but he can take energy off people by scaring them 
and he can intimidate people just like Fritz. So target human or goblin, suffers minus two arcane stat and gains predictable combatant. Exactly the same as Fritz's version. So he's just going to sort of storm around in a sulky kind of way, being a bit of a, a debuff for the opponent, but yeah. being the kind of character that will take occasional swipes at people and, and knock a few chunks out of them, and no one's going to want to hit him back because he's going to go into beast mode and then rip their face off. So what I was going to ask, with the Awaken the Beast, obviously the arcane action bit's very simple, but it says... When some enemy targets this character with the melee actions, does that mean if he's the defender? It means if he's the defender, yeah. If yeah. it says melee attack he's going action, to and they hit him. Yeah, yeah, melee attack action specifically refers to when somebody spends energy to initiate a melee attack. So cool. if he doesn't... That's what I thought. I thought I'd just, just clarify that for anyone yeah, listening as well. If, if he runs up and attacks someone, you don't, you don't awake the beast. It's only if they attack you. Yeah. And then, and as you just said, kind of thingy, like he, he's good at fighting, but doesn't want to be a fighter. And that, that, that runs in with his signature move as well. Uh, Bellow, which is on high guard, deals no damage, but you move the enemy two inches away. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't think... Leave me alone! Yeah. I mean, it's not one of the most powerful <laughs> signature moves, um, but sometimes these ones where you get to move the enemy away can be useful if they're guarding a moonstone, for example, and you want to... Sh- um, get them away from it so that you can pick it up. That can be good. Yeah. Okay, are you happy we've done Covered the Beast? Yep. Move on. So the next one is a very interesting one because it's a character that has two cards and will have two models. Um, it's called Anya. And there's Anya Bartol and Striga Anya. And again, Richie will have to tell us at some point what those mean. <laughs> <laughs> Because I can't remember, I remember discussing with him, I can't remember what they are. Um, so basically, one, Anya Bartol is essentially a girl, uh, sort of princess. Is she supposed to be a princess? Yes, so she's. Yeah, she, I mean, she, she's one of our Dominion humans, so they're all very grand, come from grand families and live in big, you know, big scary mansions in the countryside. So she's kind of a princess. We don't specifically describe her as a princess, and she doesn't have the noble keyword at least at, at, at this version that we're playtesting at the moment so but she is based on the russian um princesses yeah yeah so she has very kind of almost princessy abilities really on that one so melee two not particularly high melee range one arcane four minus one so she's supposed to be like a little child isn't she yeah exactly um, She's got a look of innocence, which I think is the same as Natty the Slum Thief. It is, yeah. And yeah. it's very strong. It is very strong, yeah. It's it's horrible, actually. <laughs> Any model must discard one energy to target this model with an action. So um, you can do one, two less melee attack actions on her than you'd like. Um, and then she's got Swift as well. So uh, the reaction can make a two-inch reaction step once per turn instead of a one-inch one. Um, so she's she's quite hard to hit, which is quite a good moonstone carrier actually when she's yeah. in that form. Um, and then I'll drop down actually to the, to the arcane ability. So she's a healer, standard standard heal spell, eight inch range, cost two x plus one wounds. But really, what she's about is the other abilities, which is remove necklace and her signature move. And if it's okay, I'll let you um describe. Yeah, sure. So so the idea is Anya wears a a necklace that 
um, she's been cursed to be this Strigger, this this horrible, um, monstrous spirit uh, that's all, you know, vicious and spiteful. Um, but she's got a necklace which contains the curse, basically. All the while she's wearing the necklace, the curse is is um, stopped. Um, but she's got an ability called Remove Necklace. It's another one of the super abilities. It costs four, even though she's only got three energy. Um, but you remove this bottle from the board and replace it with Strigger Anya. Uh, Strigger Anya gains plus two energy and suffers an amount of wounds equal to the wounds suffered by this character. So basically it costs her four energy. Uh, she's removed from the board and the Strigger version comes on uh, with two energy uh, and it suffered the same number of wounds that she suffered. Um, there's another way you can convert her into her Strigger form and that's her signature move, which is um, lose control, which is an upgrade for high guard. And that's like a normal high guard, but the end step effect is remove this model from the board and replace it with Strigger Anya. Strigger Anya gains energy and suffers wounds equal to those already on this character. So, you know, she's taken three wounds and has only got one energy left. Then the Strigger comes in with exactly the same stats. Yeah. And then and that's, we- that's how I, that's how I, cause I've used her once. Um, and I got her, I transformed her into Strigger Anya by using lose control um, rather than removing necklace. And it was horrible. Because you get her into combat and then, then Jack's just there going, oh, God, you're going to change, aren't you? <laughs> it's like, yes, I am. Yeah. Yes, I am. <laughs> I think that is the better way of doing it, actually, is, is using the signature move. But um, it's obviously a riskier way because you've got to put your fragile little um, human healer into melee with someone. But uh, I think it is the more fun way of doing it and probably the more energy efficient way of doing it as well. It's a really good way of doing it if she's been attacked as well, because they've had to spend extra energy to do that attack, and then she suddenly turns into something really horrible. So yeah. it makes her slightly less, slightly more worrying to go and hit in combat if she is holding a moonstone or two moonstones. Definitely. Yeah. And like, oh, I don't really want to go and attack you one because it's going to cost me energy, and then you're going to turn into this horrible thing. Oh and, God. <laughs> and even even if you just use her as a healer who nobody wants to attack, then that's a really yeah. That's still option. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So if we then flip over to the Strigger Anya card. So actually, yeah. I, I think what you can do is to, with her is to start actually with the stick. So her signature move is like the opposite of Anya Bartol, which is the little child. So exactly, yeah. Re, so this is our low guard. It's regain control. Remove this model from the board and place it with Anya Bartol. Anya Bartol gains energy and suffers wounds equal to those always suffered. Just the opposite isn't it she converts back again exactly yeah and that can be really good if you've if you've converted into strigger form and you've because the strigger is a really really vicious melee character it's a total glass cannon no no defense no um no uh uh damage reduction or anything like that high of age you know she in strigger form she's going to start suffering a lot of damage but she puts out a load of damage she to be honest the way of imagining anya is she's like a a healer that can convert into fritz and back again (laughs) yeah Yeah. um so um you know i I think that's awesome i'm looking forward to playing with this one a bit more but um it's really fun to play i think I think it's just, and again, one of those things is he's very different. It's really fun to have a character where you kind of get two characters. Um, 
that's going to be really interesting, so, I think. So I don't think you'd want to hang around in the Stroger form any longer than you have to, because she loses look of innocence, she loses the heal ability, and if you've, used her, if you've chosen her as your healer, you might have now got no healer. Evade goes from minus one up to plus one. So it's, it's a vulnerable state to be in, but it's super powerful. He's got uh, all increase all melee damage dealt by plus three. Whoa. Nice. Oh, it's horrible, yeah. Really nasty. And then blood drinker as well on the end of that, if an enemy is slain during a round of melee, which they probably are. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is the really cool thing that you can do. If the enemy is slain during a round of melee, this character gains plus three energy and restores two wounds. So if you kill someone and you already had one energy left at the point at which you killed them, then you've put yourself back up to four energy, which yeah. allows you to play the replace necklace ability, which is the exact opposite of the remove necklace ability that that uh, Anya Bartol's got. So, um, so you can basically kill someone and then convert back into Anya. Um, and when you convert back into Anya, Anya Bartol gains plus two energy, which means you can do a heal. <laughs> so you can drink their blood heal two wounds convert back to the little girl and then do a heal on yourself and basically heal yourself back up to full and be back into little girl form so yeah. blood drink is really really useful <laughs> yeah yeah and like and she's melee five so if she's the attacker in that she's drawing at least seven cards if she hasn't somehow been bumped in another way so <coughs> she probably is going to kill you i mean effectively she's she's gonna probably a lot of the time be in little girl form and then when she gets into melee transform into the 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 uh striga form and then most of the time manage to flip back to little girl form before the end of the melee or at the end of the melee yeah. um so so she's going to be a very very strong character and quite good fun to play i think yeah 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 so that's the cursed done um i'm trying to think how much time we've got to discuss all the other ones. I wonder whether to leave some for another podcast. Yeah, um, we, can, we can do that. We've got um, obviously Boris um, and all the fawns to cover and Gwendolyn. But um, I'm happy to jump on a, uh, another call and um, stitch the two yeah, together or publish them separately, whatever is best. I don't think we'll do that. I think we'll leave it there. I think that's really nice to cover those three tree boxes as we are. Um, and yeah, I think we'll we'll do another podcast in a couple of weeks. I think we can I'll release them uh, throughout the Kickstarter. Um, I think that'll be good. That'll be good. Um, we'll have two Leshevel podcasts. Cool. Uh, Sounds yeah, good to me. That was really good fun to talk about them again. It's always nice to have a chat about uh, the characters and things and talk about the way they can be used. I think that's always the, the what I hope is the most useful thing for people listening is uh, you know playing advice. Because I think that the Lesher Vault, uh, again, unlike, say, humans who, the, the, you've got that point click, which is where you're talking about when we're talking about fairies, Lesher Vault haven't really got that. Um, a little bit possibly with, uh, with with the beast and things, but even that, it's not as simple as sticking a fancy hat in the middle and trying to hit someone. Um, no, like, I mean, the, 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 the activation order is, is significantly important. Um, I, I think the Lashavolt are going to be the second hardest to play well after the fairies. 
I think they're I think they're up there with fairy level complexity, but not quite as fragile. Fairies, if you mess up because you've hardly got any wounds, you can really suffer for it. Whereas these guys are sort of a bit tougher, so you can mess up your your activation order and your synergies and, and sort of get away with it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. and um and also, yeah, they've also got some characters that are huh, literally unkillable. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you've got things like the Beast that's got, like, nine health, so we've relatively survived here. Yeah, I mean... It's going to be quite good fun over this next uh, nine months or so, you know, from between when the Kickstarter is um, completed and, and, and we're delivering to get some more games in with all of these and like discover quite a few more of the combos and stuff yeah because i'm sure the other thing as well is i'm sure well i hope so anyway that other people you know new players discover new ways of playing new things that maybe we hadn't seen um it's always the fun thing whenever i whenever i talk to you know, when, I, when i've done demos or done tournaments talk to people say, who say oh yeah no, i did this i was like oh, yeah, i didn't know you could i didn't think you could do that it's like um, when um when jack used um brothers in arms to get young jack up to obscene number of melee cards i've never done that <laughs> yeah yeah he got up so high that i couldn't i couldn't draw my full melee amount he has like he had something like 14 cards um which was amazing and he just murdered got to cut almost in one Cause, go because the only times i've used that ability <laughs> is in a known gun line where i wanted i wanted it for the arcane the plus one arcane i wanted to get um uh Quarrel up to Arcane 5, and I wanted to get um, another gnome, like uh, Gradoc or something, up an Arcane as well. So I was like, oh, I'll just do a little bit of a uh, Brothers in Arms exchange so that they both get plus one Arcane. But I think Jack's use of using it on young Jack is probably actually a better play, <laughs> more yeah. effective. Yeah, it was absolutely terrific. I mean, like I said, he, 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 it meant young young Jack killed Gotka about two rounds of melee really easily because he because he had so many cards he's like oh i can play three falling swings because i have all the high guards yeah um, and just yeah just just destroy him. and also and the, and the same line of that talking about just he's saying with jack moved you know um using Gradic to make Gradic forget forgetfulness <laughs> which I, I i can't repeat often enough because it's still funny yeah it was great <laughs> um yeah, those little things, and that, that was something we, we talked about, obviously, in the Gnome podcast that came before this. Um, yeah, so that was really interesting to talk about, and we'll, yeah, we'll definitely get on the phone again and do do, do the rest of the lesson a lot later. Um, anything you want to say uh, before we call it a day there? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, the only thing I was going to say is that um, I think in many ways we covered the most interesting material uh, already in this call because um, the 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 fawns I actually created the rules for those before the idea of the Lash Vault even existed. So a lot of the themes that we talked about with the Lash Vault with their um, their superpowers and and whatnot aren't actually in the fawn cards. Um, the fawns uh, I think don't need as much description i think they kind of sell themselves on their artwork a little bit so um basically i'm more than happy to jump on the 
on the uh, call and do another section on them. But I think that this one that we've just recorded now is is going to be the far more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Maybe me, yeah, maybe me and Jack will about the last few ourselves. We, we have played all the all of them as well. But actually, one thing I was going to say, which I think is interesting, is that the less less revolt faction and you're going to correct me if I'm wrong with this one. Unlike Commonwealth and Dominion, they have within Les Revolt, they have all of the races. They have humans, they have a fairy, they have a gnome, they have a fawn. No goblins. No goblins. There you go. I knew that one had forgotten. Yeah, no so, so they've got... They have, they, have the biggest, they have the biggest variety of... Definitely, rate, of the, biggest, definitely the biggest variety by far. Because they've also got spirits for the first time. There's no spirits in any other yeah. Yeah. Uh, faction. And um, they've got animal. And there's... There are animal... Actually, that's not true. There are animals like Doug has got the animal keyword. Uh, and Billy's got the animal keyword. But they, they're the first ones that have animals that are just animals. Yes, yeah, the, the jackal open knees. Um, yeah, yeah, cool. All right, well, um, thanks a lot, Tom. That was great. that was great. That was really interesting. I hope uh, people listening enjoyed that, and um, I hope we do another one soon. Thanks great. a lot. Thanks for having.